You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the show. This is Eli Steenlidge, and with me is... Jeremy Holiday. And on this episode, we're talking about comedy specials. Comedy specials. That are a little bit more on the storytelling side of things, that do things a little bit differently. And mainly, we're going to be focusing on Hannah Gatsby's Nanette. Yeah. Did I say her last name right? I, I think Gatsby? so. Gatsby? Okay. I mean, I've only read it. Yeah, me too. So, uh, this is been getting a fair amount of attention, I think, and rightly so, in which we both agree it is something really special and uh, says a lot and does some new things, so we'll dig into that more. But I think that's kind of the focus of our conversation, but we also want to talk about there seems to be more of a trend, and specifically we'll be talking mostly about uh, Netflix shows, comedy specials that lean more into telling personal stories and more of a narrative arc than just observational humor or kind of just throwing out jokes about whatever on different topics. Uh, But it definitely has a a more of a narrative flow like we talk about that is personal and sometimes gets serious at moments. So this balance of serious things and humor and how they mix together. And I think Nanette is the one that does kind of the best job at using both serious personal stories and humor for a purpose, a specific purpose, uh, besides sort of sharing about who they are. And I think it also comments on comedy itself. Yeah. And uh, stand-up comedians and comedians in general and sort of what they're doing and sort of dissects that look at it. Yeah. Uh, so I think that one is kind of going to be the center point. But I guess kind of we'll, we'll dig into that show specifically but I kind of have the question of, it seems like this is happening more. And I'm not saying these specials, some other ones we might talk about are like Dave Chappelle, um, Neil Brennan's show on Netflix, Hassan Minaj's Homecoming King. But I don't, I, I'm not saying these are the first ones to do this by any means, yeah. but it does seem like a trend happening right now. So do you think there is something sort of in the air that's allowing this to happen, that they feel more comfortable, maybe these comedians being a little more serious at this time or combining that? Um, is it just kind of the open platform that Netflix kind of says you can do whatever you want? Um, or is there something in our climate that wants to draw these out? So, I mean, that's kind of something we can talk about throughout this, but do you have any initial thoughts on that? Oh, I'm... I haven't done any research about it, Eli. I mean, I have a sense, though. I mean, we don't always talk about politics on our podcast. No. But I think that there's um, certainly some manner of current mood where, uh, like, the truth mm-hmm. um, is up for a topic. Up for uh, grabs? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, up for, like, a, people are talking about the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things that Nanette does, which, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have another reference point. I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. like a, a comprehensive. I don't have a comprehensive knowledge of comedy or stage performance or any of that sort of thing. But I mean, I there is not another reference point for Nanette for me. Like mm. I, I don't know when, something like right it. when I mean, people yeah, say yeah. what is it like. I'm like, yeah. well, I mean, 
And I think that's why it's making waves. Is right. Because it, it is so unique. Right. And I think part of what it does, I mean, it, it it's almost like a, I know, it just, I mean, it has elements of tent revival <laughs> and TED Talk. Yeah. Um, of the, you know, of, of these other things in there because, I mean, I mean, I'm just going to talk about it as if you've seen it. I mean, if, yeah. you, ha- if you haven't seen the audience, you check it out, yeah. please go see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, go to your local Netflix and, and see <laughs> go it. Go to your couch and watch um, it. Yeah, yeah and, and be, a, be ready for a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because the way she, and it's like, just as like a pure aesthetic point, I was like, I had never heard of her before. Mm-hmm. And this thing is like a, like a magnum opus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it, it yeah. is, I'm the closest thing. I mean, and I, I, don't, I don't know what her career is like. I don't mm-hmm. know how often she does this. I don't know where this routine came from. I mean, but like this particular routine, this moment in time, mm-hmm. you know, is almost like that Tignataro greatest night of comedy ever sort of thing mm-hmm. where like you're, there are two, you can divide your life into before you saw it and <laughs> afterwards. But the way um, Hannah Gatsby like deconstructs comedy mm-hmm. with her audience over the course of the show right. is, is is remarkable. I mean, yeah. and and I can't think of uh, another mm-hmm. comedic set or even like a storytelling event because I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. like the um, the work of um, uh, Eddie Izzard who who tells mm-hmm. lots of stories, who tells personal things, and yeah. tells larger th- you know like tells and tells big, long, complicated intellectual stories and shows. <laughs> um, this is not like that. Mm-hmm. And there's and uh, there's also this. I mean, I don't know. I'd be interested to see what other folks think about it. But I had this nostalgia mm. when she like talked about her sexual assault as if it mattered, mm-hmm. and like a time when that was part of our public discourse has been a long time. Mm. Like it is a long time since we, as a general public, gave a shit <laughs> about other people suffering. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, like fucking mow down kids in Newtown mm-hmm. and though a great deal of the country has sympathy for those individuals a great deal of people also don't mm-hmm. um, and for like it just seems so like 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 innocent and straightforward mm-hmm. for her to ask her audience to give a shit mm-hmm. about her life yeah. and they do and we do mm-hmm. um, and I and even if it's in even though it's in the guise of comedy and even though she you know, like has plays this con on us and tricks us a little bit that we right. we willingly want to. Um, the idea that um, she and, and she has and she has like she has a way of I think engendering empathy and sympathy um, that works in the millennial age mm-hmm. that no one else I have seen mm. grasped. Yeah, and and I don't I don't even know how to break that down and explain that mm-hmm. except that like I mean. I've heard other, I mean, I, I, like I, I go to listen to spoken word things. Like, I, yeah. I, like, I, like some of this, some of the, the precursors of this form, I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just haven't seen anything like this on, on a big, on a big scale. Big scale yeah. You know, like with a, it, like you know, on a thing that's recorded and it's in a theater and. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the millennial part of it is interesting <clears throat> that you mentioned that because I do feel like there is this trend in younger people that they they do have sort of this like sarcastic flavor to things Mm -hmm. that they talk about in their lives but like at the same time are acknowledging right those things about themselves whether it's like bad habits or whatever but they like think it's funny but also like "Eh, i know i shouldn't be doing this or i'm gonna change or whatever yeah like 
um, these are things we do, and it's kind of this knowing aspect yeah, to I it mean, that we I don't think past generations have quite displayed as much. Yeah. So and and there's just an earnestness mm-hmm. to. I mean, and, and yeah. she and she sets you up for that. I mean, mm-hmm. she's like this little country bumpkin from Tasmania, right? You know, and and sets her. You know, like she's a. Mm-hmm. I think she's. And I don't know what the like equivalent is in the United <laughs> States to Tasmania. I don't know if that's like <laughs> yeah. Alabama, Georgia, Alaska. Uh-huh. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but she just. I mean, she is masterful in the way that she sets up her characterization mm-hmm. of herself early on. Right. And and also, I mean, and it positions herself as not being part of a very clear demographic mm-hmm. and like we live i mean so much of the political or economic or social division that we encounter in our in my world in our mm-hmm. world is all about identities and being yeah. part of groups you know and the, she's like not enough lesbian content you know like she keeps <laughs> coming back to that refrain um you know and and that's something that i think um all kinds of folks can identify with because mm-hmm. it's even like whether you're a lesbian comedian yeah. or not mm-hmm. they're kind of like well like you have a you have a you have a job you to do you have a specific role there's certain expectations you have mm-hmm. to do all these things and she both acknowledges that and plays with that and subverts that mm-hmm. in this thing um so i mean this is a long way of answering your question but i i, I think that there's cause even in like dave Chappelle's two recent shows whatever the bird one whatever it was i don't remember the name <laughs> they're you can look them up um there's he he comes back and, and attempts to speak truth, mm-hmm. um, and and be and because I think that there's there's often been s- space only in comedy for truth in the United States. I think that yeah. those individuals, whether it's John Stewart, um, or uh, you, you know George Carlin or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever your particular thing is, um, the for the longest time the only place you could get the straight dope. Right. Was on a comedy stage. Yeah, because they don't have to filter themselves yeah. the way everybody else does. Yeah. yeah. But there was also this bit, too, where, and I don't know if it starts in the late 90s or around then, but, like, I mean, when you started to have, like, cable comedy specials, mm-hmm. and there was Comedy Central, because there was, I mean, there was a time, you know, mm-hmm. when I was younger, when there yeah. was no Comedy Central, when there was <laughs> right. no, like, specific Place market for here. just yeah. comedy, mm-hmm. where you could, you know, there was, like, there was, like, NBC, there's like you know, like there was like the Dana Carvey one where he plays, <laughs> talks about chopping broccoli, you know, with blue minds. <laughs> and so, there, I think it becomes a form of doing comedy for that market. Mm-hmm. And I think, in some sense, it just got too old. Yeah. And and even though like people are revealing things and being mm-hmm. truthful and honest, it was never enough. And yeah. I, and and I, and I think that the often the inauthenticity of that, mm-hmm. um, you know, in recent years started to get shattered when. When you know, like, in in popular stories, like mm-hmm. when Tignataro like almost dies, mm-hmm. um, and talks about it, yeah. um, and and again, like I think uh, some of the things people are looking for. I mentioned TED Talks earlier. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to give somebody an hour of your viewing time, yeah. Um, yeah, on Sundays, like you, you know, like you better say something. I mean, we watch a, I mean, we collectively humans <laughs> watch a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. um, but there's a certain kind of viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you like give the thing your full attention, yeah. um, you want to be blown away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that uh, there are a few things that blow f- folks away, like Nanette does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I think other things, you know, I would put it in the same category as like a TED Talk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and some of the early TED Talks. We're not talking like <laughs> TEDx Houston, something or other, no, whatever. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, that stuff is fine. Yeah. I'm glad people, are, you know. But like, it becomes like I'm about to blow your mind. It's the Sham Wow, or right, right. The, whatever it's the, very of the crafted Sham Wow. Yeah, to, uh, to be yeah. I mean, I think 
some of it for me that kind of environment where this is coming out of like Nanette I think more is uh, possibly like the Me Too movement made it a little more okay yeah. to talk about some of these things and bring this out I think um, again not to get political but like with Trump being president I think there is a certain aspect to people want to express themselves yeah. and who they are in America yeah. in a specific way and mm-hmm. say hey, recognize that I also exist in this America. Right. Um, and want to present that. And I think there's more of an audience to hear that now yeah. um, because these things are kind of coming out in the open. And I and I, and I don't know that it's... Um, everybody feels that way, but I think there's more interest yeah. in hearing who people are in that diversity uh, to open that up. And, and I think you're right about some people being sort of tired of kind of the usual like glossy sort of comedy and stuff like yeah. that. And I would also bring up Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with yeah. Jerry Seinfeld, which started as a web show and only the most recent season is on Netflix, yeah. officially produced by Netflix. And I think something like that did benefit from new technology and yeah. maybe wouldn't have an audience before. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, it, and I wouldn't say that it gets real deep the way that Nanette does, but it is this culture of like we're very aware of who comedians are and sort of their craft and yeah. now we have like comedian like fans you know yeah. um who follow different specials and like yeah. who the comedians are so yeah, we kind of yeah, get yeah. this yeah. i mean meta yeah. level of like who really are these comedians like this is a little more like unscripted yeah. and sometimes they aren't like on all the time on this show yeah. um they talk about their normal life so I think that also gives us kind of that behind-the-scenes look and people can kind of be a little more real. Yeah. Saying, who is this actual person behind these jokes or whatever? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think, I mean, one of the things that people talk about, those young millennials, mm-hmm. and I also think when, when we talk about like a gener- like a, talk about a generation of people, mm-hmm. I mean, like for me, we're also talking about like just a generation in time. Yeah. Like when the, in the generation, in the, in the 60s when there were the hippies, mm-hmm. um, there was a, a group of young people doing something, but also yeah. the country as a whole was mm-hmm. doing a thing, and yeah. um, and everyone was influenced by those long-haired hippies or their mm-hmm. reaction to it, or the war, or its reaction to it, all those things. Yeah. And so, um, one of the things that um, uh, is often talked about, which I think is true um, with a lot of millennials and, and also this millennial age, is like the the idea of authenticity, like in mm-hmm. general, like yeah. it matters mm-hmm. in a way that I mean, I think it always mattered to some people. Mm-hmm. But like en masse, it matters to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and certainly like discerning audiences that are choosing things or watching things, it really matters. Um, and I think that like, I mean, just to point out one of my favorite films of all time, The Prestige, mm-hmm. like when there's a part in, in there when they're trying to figure out how this old Chinese man does this fishbowl trick. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that part? Yeah. And, you know, and they see him outside of the theater being kind of this decrepit old man, uh-huh. you know, and the and the one of the magicians says like, this is the real act hmm. right like Outside all of, all of it yeah. is believable uh-huh. because of this persona that he has right right you know like you yeah. know and again like the movie also reinforces that like you know the Occam's razor right like mm-hmm. it's probably a double and boom you know actually is a double right, yeah, you right know, yeah. multiple situations if you haven't seen the movie it's great um i think it's One Chris, of my favorite, christopher yeah. newland's best work anyway um 
But there's a part that's also to do with comedians, where like they had what they did on stage, and they had mm-hmm. their personas, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's just a guy talking about his life. But like, yeah. you know, and I think what we see with the net is like, turns out your life isn't super funny all the time, mm-hmm. and even the things you use for comedy isn't aren't super funny. Yeah, and turns out like sometimes comedy is the way you deal with massive amounts of trauma, mm-hmm. um, and that and that sort of honesty about like the craft of comedy and the deconstruction mm-hmm. of, of her own identity as a, like oh just sort of a happy lesbian like not right. a big deal like I'm funny and I mm-hmm. look weird and I'm from a funny place people tell me all these <laughs> things yada, 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 you know yeah. um, you know turns out those are, are real and, and and again like this is the thing that I thought about it too I like wanted to make this um, a t-shirt mm. you know like proud snowflake like yeah. I, I have never at all appreciated like the discussions of snowflakes or any, I, mm. I don't even engage with it online. No, I, oh, yeah. I, I don't have any interest in that mm-hmm. business on either side. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, uh, you know, having had trauma as a kid, like I have a defight to like have feelings. I have mm. no shame about, <laughs> I, no shame. Like, like I'm a, a, a properly, mostly functioning adult uh-huh. because of a lot of effort I can, and I have feelings and emotions. <laughs> um, and that's good. Yeah. And, and some of the most like, um, the deepest friendships I have are with, like traditionally very masculine guy. Like mm. I have a lot of friends who are soldiers, you mm. know, who are vets who had yeah. a hard time and have a hard time and we can talk about our feelings and it's, and like we're, and that's the best time we could possibly have. Mm. Um, and, and I just wanted like watching her show, it just made me feel like proud to have honest, complicated mm. feelings yeah. in a way that usually like comedy makes me feel like, oh, like I wish I was clever as that guy. Right. Or yeah, like, I wish, yeah, like, oh, up. like, I wish I had the kind of, over, like, the kind of big perspective that mm-hmm. allows me to laugh at these horrible things in my life. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it just seems bad. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, she essentially shatters that mm. myth mm-hmm. um, in to great effect. Right. I mean, when I was watching it the first time, I was super tired and I fell asleep for a second. And I, and I was like, and, and like, it was right when she sort of gets serious for the first time. And I was like, oh my God, what, you know, like, how long was I asleep? <laughs> right, you yeah. know, it turns out like 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I watched it one night, was super tired. I watched it all the way through. Mm-hmm. And then I immediately watched it again the next day. Mm. Um, would have watched it, I think even probably watched half of it again that night before. But I mean, because I was just like, whoa, I need to like keep, tra-. like I wasn't keeping track. Like, right, I right. need to keep track of all the, you that know, all the. That's she did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, in the end, it's like, um. She she moves from a place of being, we'll say like traditionally authentic for a mm-hmm. comedian, mm-hmm. and then moves to a place of being like truly authentic. Yeah, and and becomes you know and like as far as we know, right, mm-hmm. um, becomes like a real person with real feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and in in the world when anonymity is a big issue, mm-hmm. and people treat each other terribly poorly on the internet and other places. Um, it was just nice and just amazingly refreshing to see someone like enforcing their humanity and the humanity of others right. in such a forceful way. Yeah. Like, I, like I did not think that that was what was going to come out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. And I think maybe the prestige is a good comparison as far as like sort of pulling this right con on us. Yeah. Like just this, uh, not, Polite, I, I wouldn't call it a trick. No. Um, but I think she does, do this very 
uh, complex thing of dissecting the jokes and style yeah. of humor that she just yeah. used on the audience to make them laugh. Mm-hmm. So she presents a kind of perspective on her personal life and then comments on the illusion of that humor that she creates. Yeah, uh, She demonstrates and identifies the way that she hides behind her humor. Yeah. And sometimes in unhealthy ways that are like society even like reinforces yeah, those. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're a funny person. Like, just laugh at these things. And I think she kind of says like that's what I did for a long time. I yeah. dealt with my trauma by like, kind of laughing it off or like right. not making it a big deal. Um, and I think it's rare for a performer to take you through their personal experience and what they've learned over the years or decades and then do it in a way that makes you laugh and then like calls you on that yeah. in the same show. Like she kind of like like you said, kind of gets you on her side to yeah. like understand her perspective. And you're like, yeah, this is like a normal comedy show. Um, but she's talking about her life. That's that's cool. And then she, like, turns it around. Um, like, you all laughed at that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she's kind of saying, like, that's what I did for years, too. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting the way that she said that um, she can't do comedy like this anymore, comedy yeah. shows, because that's just sort of perpetuating this way that she lives right. in many ways that she's kind of presenting all of these real things as just sort of funny. You can make jokes. And I think that's something shared. And again, I think she, her show does it much better in sort of indicting the audience in that, um, is, uh, is really intelligent and cool experience. Um, but I think the other ones I mentioned, um, with Neil, uh, Brennan and Hassan Minaj is that they also kind of bring up, these personal aspects of their lives that are not so great. Like, uh, Neil Brennan brings up his depression pretty quickly and kind of breaks that stereotype of, like, comedians are, like, happy and on all the time, right? They just tell jokes. And he's like, no, actually, I struggle with all the time not being a happy person. (laughs) And I just sort of use humor as a coping mechanism, too. Mm -hmm. And, like, people like me because I'm funny. um, But I'm actually really sad inside and don't think that I can accomplish things. And I think Hassan Minaj and Neil Brennan also comment on their career up to that point um, and how they've sort of like tried to do their career in kind of a normal way and have had some successes. And um, Neil Brennan actually wrote on uh, the Dave Chappelle show and directed some of that. So he had some of this huge success and then went back to sort of stand up. Yeah. Um, and I think his way of sort of breaking uh, the sort of standard comedy show is that his show is called Three Mics. So yeah. one is standard sort of uh, punchline type jokes, mm-hmm. quick jokes, not on any particular topic. Uh, he does uh, sort of more of a normal stand-up routine where he yeah. might kind of have like a flow of jokes yeah. kind of related to each other, more observational. And then he does um, what he calls like the emotional stuff where mm-hmm. he kind of talks about his uh, depression and things. And he kind of jumps between these different modes. And again, I think it's dissecting sort of what we normally think of as a show. And he's bringing um, awareness to the audience of what he's doing. Uh, and I think that's a really fascinating take of breaking it down. And Hassan Minaj, I think, kind of dissects things, too, by... I mean, he's he's self-deprecating, and I think um, Hannah Gatsby kind of mentions about, you know, she can't be just self-deprecating like most uh, yeah. comedians do in the end. Um, she has to say something more serious about herself. But I... 
I think he comments on his own comedy from the past, his own experience, comments on racism and how he also laughed about that most of the time and tried to like brush it off with humor. But there comes a point when like he, he has to confront it as a real thing in his life. So I think with, you know, all three of these shows, Mm -hmm. they're kind of dissecting the comedy format for like stand-up comedy or comedy specials. But I think they're also talking about what Hannah talks about um, being not normal or not normals is kind of the phrase she used. And like you said, she kind of is like not too specific in identifying herself in a... a, um, in too specific of a way, but I mm-hmm. think they all sort of deal with their experience of that. Yeah. Um, even though I would say Neil Brennan is like a heterosexual male guy, but, uh, you know, I think that's unique to them. And I really, and it is sort of hard to talk about, like, as also a heterosexual white guy, but Do I... you white? I can't do this. But I, I identified a lot with it. I have always felt like I am a little different than other people in the way that I like am a little bit um, antisocial yeah. and like you like things I grew based. up in a very small Midwestern Iowa town and I was into like weird stuff weird movies music things like that that other people like just didn't understand yeah. what I was talking about and so I just kind of didn't talk about it so I mean I can't say too specifically that uh, how I would identify with that but it is a sense that I've had in myself yeah um so I thought that was that was cool and I like the way that she phrased that as sort of feeling that otherness um and how her story still matters um and still deserves to be heard and I think that's that was sort of a big message of what she was saying um that uh and and I liked how she spoke directly to heterosexual white men. Pull up your socks. Out. Yeah, uh, and, and I think that was pretty brave to like yeah. talk to her audience in that way without giving them warning, as far as I know, um, yeah. about what she was going to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, she. I mean, so I mean, I watched the two Dave Chappelle, two new Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. um, episodes. Uh, specials, so back to back, you know, maybe a month or so. Nah, I don't. A few months, few months before I watched Nanette, and mm-hmm. you and I saw. Uh, there's something that I saw in both of them, which I think is relevant to a lot of the stuff. And um, he, it, like hearing these comedians understand that they are somewhat responsible for culture, mm-hmm. like that. When they tell stories, like Hannah Gatsby is like explicit about this. Like the, she realized that when she like bashes herself, she makes it easier for other people to bash people like her, mm-hmm. or for other people to bash themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and there's just, I mean, like, I mean, there's there's always been this um, like idea or approach. Um, of like amorality in commerce, you know, like mm-hmm. we try to like, you know, we don't, yeah, we like, we don't want political comedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like this is a odd side note, but like, I'm a woodworker and I get popular woodworking magazine. <laughs> this is a fabulous woodworking magazine, but it recently got a new editor, 
um, which is one of the reasons I started reading it. And mm-hmm. they have like articles about women who do woodworking <laughs> and, and, and strange things like that. And yeah. there have been a, a number, a couple people who had responded and like, why are you doing that kind of stuff? You know, like, right. I don't like politics in my woodworking. <laughs> um, but just the whole, because I, I don't, I don't believe anything is apolitical. Mm. Um, politics is the study of power and whether it's like, you know, like elected individuals or economic power, like mm-hmm. there's politics and everything. Um, and, and I don't think that just because you say, I mean, you, you can be like not affiliated with a like American political party, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that you're not part of the landscape of power. I mean, just because Nike doesn't, you know, like, you know, for the long, I mean, the idea, I think, which I, which, I mean, I, I came to age in the 90s and, mm-hmm. and, and, and in the time when like a lot of money was being made by a lot of new people mm-hmm. due to the technology boom and other things. And there was just this sense that like we needed to make ourselves as, as unoffensive as possible so that we mm-hmm. could make the buckets of money right. that are being made. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that culture has been a part of America for a long time. I mean, so I, I mean it's, it has to do with lots of other things, but... Um, there's always been this question, like whether it's video games or guns or things that we're mm-hmm. like, well, we don't, as if like as a country, we can't be responsible for the big picture, mm-hmm. right? We're only, we, 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 you know, our racism is a few acts of prejudice, right? right. Or yeah. like some person shooting someone else with a gun. It's not policies about guns or, mm-hmm. or like yeah, history yeah. of racism. It's not these specific things. Um, and uh, to see Hannah Gatsby realize that the way she was doing comedy was making life worse for mm-hmm. lesbians and not normals and other things. Mm-hmm. And then to take the responsibility to both deconstruct her own part of that and to just say, like, pull up your fucking socks right. um, was, again, like, refreshing. Because I think it, refreshing and, and totally novel mm-hmm. in my mind and uh, brave mm-hmm. and interesting in a way that Dave Chappelle, who, you know, I mean, Dave, like, when he left The Chappelle Show, like this, this moment in entertainment, right? Um, like that was a mo- like he seemed very much to like be taking responsibility for his comedy in a way that, for example, like Chris Rock never did mm-hmm. um, for his stuff in the nineties. Just say that, right? Yeah. Um, and he comes <clears throat> back with these new two specials, and he, and and he sort of like as an encore in the last one, he talks about he like someone's like well, I'm gonna he answers sort of like a, a a question in the air. Yeah. Um, about like why he left, why and and he tells this very elaborate story about mm-hmm. this n- n- book he read once about <laughs> a pimp called Iceberg Slim. Okay. Um, I will not retell the entire story. <clears throat> you should probably watch it. It mm-hmm. itself is like this great moment, mm-hmm. but he never talks directly about it. I mean, mm-hmm. he he essentially is saying that he was like a prostitute in the story. And the the pimp told her like all these he like sets up this mm-hmm. ridiculous fake almost murder or murder to like convince her to like be a prostitute for longer. Okay. Talks about mileage on a hoe, mm-hmm. um, and he and he essentially is implying I assume that people were like a- allowing him to see some sort of progress in mm-hmm. the industry, but just so he would keep making <clears throat> money or threaten him. Yeah. I don't know because he never does it explicitly. And he sort of become became the product himself, sort of. In yeah, some I I do, I mean like it's a <laughs> great story. Totally sure, yeah. Um, and he it's I, I get a like a general sense about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Hannah Gatsby is more explicit in a single sentence that he is in, in his entire show, <laughs> and she, he he is leaning in the direction of doing 
mm-hmm. something like that. But he never gets there, mm-hmm. and maybe he doesn't want to. I mean, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he seems to want to be the same kind of person, and you know, like doubles down on his treatment of like transgendered folks, mm-hmm. and it's complicated. Like I think yeah. like there's like. There's stuff to be said. I think he's he is trying to do something, mm-hmm. but he's also like maintaining too much of that neutral centrist space mm-hmm. um, to do that effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, trying to have too broad of an audience. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like I, I remember defending him in those, those shows to friends of mine, mm-hmm. and then I watched Nanette, and I was like, I don't give a shit. Like Chappelle can't get it done, and she can, so I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I think part care. of her this show is her saying that she can't be sort of vague about it or yeah. beat around the bush like right. it has to be stated clearly yeah. what's going on um, and and one thing I wanted to bring up about it is she specifically mentions anger yeah and she she kind of acknowledges like I'm coming across as angry right now and there needs to be a little anger in there um, and I think specifically like what she says is uh, that she doesn't want to unite uh, the audience with humor and anger but make her story felt and uh, hopefully have somebody to take care of her story, like the audience. Um, But I think she is playing this complex balance of using anger sometimes to do that. And, And I thought that was really interesting. Like, I think we've sort of dealt with that recently, you and I in some of our productions. Um, we recently did a short film sort of, with the Me Too theme. Yeah. And I think we, as we talked through this with some of the actresses and female collaborators, um, they kind of came to the conclusion that we have to express this anger about how we feel. Like we can't just kind of uh, try to address these issues without saying um, something very clear about how wrong it is, about how women is. And and how serious we are about doing something different Mm. and and i have sort of had this weird moral moment of in the editing uh we have these different shots of women without getting too detailed um saying different statements about how they feel or how they're treated and we had a couple takes of one actress and one was very like angry and abrasive and another take was um a little bit softer like firm but not right so 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 uh I think mainly my wife and I had a discussion about, um, I thought we should use the softer take, the firm but softer, but in, um, in the original take we put in the edit was the more abrasive one. And it's kind of a bigger topic about like where it was in the edit and stuff, um, but I was talking about how the audience would feel too indicted that early in the film and yeah. they would sort of lose their attention. But the main point is like I think it, it's a discussion to be had about what place anger has and what extent and i think it also ties into so that's kind of talking about um feminism and and nanette i think it's talking about um also feminism but gender in general how people who are not seen as sort of the dominant um culture are treated um sort of the dominant identity and in the other podcasts we produce um black like me that it's talked 
about race and Alex G who does that podcast I think has talked about how you can't back down and say there's not anger involved in right. the change that needs to take place. Well people tell him all the time. Yeah. I mean he started a politi- so yeah, he started a political movement called Justified Anger, right? Right. They tell him like Alex like we like the like changey stuff, but mm-hmm. could you not be so angry? Yeah. Um <clears throat> and so I, yeah, I think all those I think it's unique for me to think about and and Annette really kind of pushed that for me and I think ultimately she came to the place of saying I can't just present this as angry um, and she said she talked about how men do get to do angry comedy because they kind of present it as free speech that it's totally yeah. normal for them to be yeah. able to be angry um, but when women do it they're just seen as like crazy lesbians is kind of what she talks right. about um, like in general you know women can't be angry um, in their presentation of their thoughts and things like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. A, a classic, I mean, I know it's more complicated, but the Serena Williams bit at the U.S. Open just happened, mm-hmm. and there's a lot to talk about that. I mean, yeah. secret, um, like, uh, secret about myself, like, I used to, because I was, like, home by myself a lot when I was a kid, uh-huh. I watched a lot of tennis, and was really, really, really into, like, international and national tennis when I was a kid. Mm. Uh, true story. <laughs> um, and so, you know, there's there's complicated stuff that goes on with her, but um, mm-hmm. at, at the U.S. Open um, yeah. and her defeat by a phenomenally skilled young Japanese woman um, in straight sets, by the way. <laughs> uh, but the discussion of her, uh, there's like, she's done a lot of being angry. And, and I know yeah. that, like, you know, there's decorum and, mm-hmm. and sportsmanship and all the other stuff, but I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, do, you, do we remember John McEnroe? Do we remember, like, right. some of these other folks? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, given, like, there was, you know, there were penalties in some cases, but, like, the, like, you know, uh, the utter, like, we, we can't say that there's not a double standard, mm-hmm. right? We, we can't say that, like, as a black woman, like, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, we totally treat her the same as everybody else, except that, like, she can't be too angry, you know, like, right. she, you know, and, 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 like, for me, I, I like, I... I don't know why I want to discourse on this a moment, but like, she like just had a child. She's like getting back into her like, you know, like one of the most successful tennis careers of of the history of like sports. Mm-hmm. Um, she just had like this huge. She has some health problems, I think, with circulation from you know recovering right. from her yep. birth. She had like like had a, like an outfit problem at her last thing. Mm-hmm. You know, she's facing like a, an amazingly skilled. You know, up and coming twenty year old uh, young woman who like cranks out over one hundred and ten mile an hour, <laughs> serves on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and here she and she's black and she's a woman. She's in the middle of all this. Like, like, could there possibly be like more pressure on her right. shoulders to do everything right? Yeah. And you know, and even in that case, you know, like she she could have. You know, I don't think she should have broken her racket. <laughs> um, but like people do, and it's like, yeah. but like I guarantee. I don't guarantee. I bet you, mm-hmm. like for all the times John McEnroe threw his whatever the hex all over the place, he did not have like the entire male white world staring down at him, like judging him all the time for everything that he did, knowing putting him in a place where there's nothing he could essentially do. Right. Um, I, I was just like, even though she didn't do a perfect job, I'm like she handled that with a great deal of grace. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and and in her case, like she's like, I, I have to be angry about this because like women and black women get treated unfairly. Yeah. And like I can't not I can't not be upset about that. Like you mm-hmm. and she's like you know and she knows 
everybody. It's like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I know how you are at these games and stuff. Anyway, yeah. so I, I just, it just for me, it's like a salient present example mm-hmm. of what of what Hannah Gatsby is talking about in that they're just like when a woman becomes angry, mm-hmm. like her her ability to effectively speak and be heard almost disappears. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine almost everybody that she previewed this special for yeah. would probably tell her not to end that way. Yeah, right. Like, like don't do that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know for sure, but it, it, it seemed very brave. And I almost feel like probably not, but like she didn't tell people she was going to do that almost yeah. or something. But I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also, I, in watching it, I mean, there's, I just was so touched by someone being real. Mm-hmm. Like I was like to watch a real thing mm-hmm. um, in a world of yeah. produced everything. I was right. like, you know, you can, I'll listen to you talk all day, Hannah Gatsby. You don't even have to talk about. You don't have to do a good. <laughs> I like I just like there was there was a, a you know a an authenticity and honestness about and an intelligence. Like mm-hmm. she, yeah. it was so like clever mm-hmm. and. You know, like both in in almost every like mm-hmm. tiny bit of that thing is is crafted in a master way right. from um, what it looks like from the top down. And she's probably I mean probably because of meticulous practice. And she tells us she's very good. Like she's not mm-hmm. shy about that. Yeah, I mean I she mean, she tells us she can control the tension in the story to manipulate us. Yeah. To, to feel and think what she wanted. Yeah, us I'm like feel. yes, yes, please more. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but there's I, I just I just can't like. I really can't emphasize that enough. I mean, even whether it's scripted television or films or other mm-hmm. things, um, to to see someone have that amount of courage, because mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, like even and I, and, I, and I'm not really in any way disparaging Tina Taro because she's awesome, but even in like she, there's a fictionalized version of her life. She is playing herself, it, it, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it, it's not it's not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, as what um, Hand Gatsby does, even it's though Tiktok does yeah. talk about. I mean, I'm talking about a show, mm-hmm. like uh, One Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just like I don't know, like a a, a rawness mm-hmm. um, and an honesty that the feelings it conjured in me were, um, you know, like uh, nostalgia for a like a, a time again when people like gave a shit about one another, <laughs> and just made me think like, wow, like we, you know, like like we could actually have a discussion mm. about someone, something very bad happening to someone mm-hmm. and th- they're hurting them mm-hmm. um, that could go somewhere, that could be yeah. productive, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to so much of the way news is handled or mm-hmm. especially like, you know, like when horrible things happen in the news or even mm-hmm. in like a lot of narrative situations, they're created in a way so they are sort of ephemeral and they, mm-hmm. they you can, you, you uh, like you consume them and you have a kind of feeling and mm-hmm. then you are sated in a particular way so that it becomes ephemeral and it sort of evaporates off into the sky when you're done and you have, right. you're left ready for the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's very, uh, Hannah Gatsby very explicitly says like, I'm not going to do that. Like mm-hmm. you don't, you just have to leave with this bit, you know? Right. And in some sense it, 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 it elevates what she's doing to, 
I mean, I, I may be exaggerating a little bit, but it, it, it's more in the category of like great speeches. Mm. Like if you think about mm-hmm. the things that are like it, you know, like moments in history yeah. when individuals gave very important speeches, which changed a lot of people's minds about things. They're mm-hmm. they're structured differently. They're structured around a call to action. Mm-hmm. They're structured in a way that you are, are creating in your audience a distinct need yeah. um, and an argument to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does that. And, and But even like, I mean, she... And, and she even says like she creates the need to do it without even telling you what it is. I mean, right. like pulling mm-hmm. up your goddamn socks is not, um, ex- you know, explicit. But I would argue that like most people know what she's talking about. Yeah, and you could probably make a list of things, and some guys over there could make a list of things, and it'd probably be the similar list. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she her ultimate point seemed to be that uh, her focus on story is creating a connection. Yeah. Um, and that's the important thing is that we create connections with each other. Um, and that's through storytelling or yeah. hearing somebody's story. And so I think what's unique about these different specials we brought up is that these comedians are making us laugh. Um, but what they're doing differently is bringing us into their own stories to yeah. know who they are as people. Yeah, and their stories as comedians, like, because right. comedy is part of it. And part of, yeah. And, and, uh, and sort of postmodern in that sense of addressing, like, what they are doing right. while they're doing it, making it funny. Um, but I think that it may be saying something, too, without trying to sound too profound, but that a lot of times I think comedy can be like quick jokes like oh this comedian told this funny little bit I can tell you it real quick it'll be funny um but it's sort of like disconnected from everything else and I think that's in general sort of the way we are we see it like we get angry about something somebody posts online whether we're for it or against it but we just kind of see this little bit but um we're sort of disconnected from the actual story behind it. And I think yeah. in general to get out of our sort of narrow point of views, yeah. like the best way is to like meet people who are not like us yeah. and understand who they are, hear a story about who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is when we sort of open up to different understanding of things. Um, and I think that's, sort of what she's saying and we're sort of missing out on that except for she slips it into a comedy show where we have to kind of hear her story yeah and it's it's interesting i mean even i uh, talking with a friend of mine about it and Mm -hmm. she said it's not really a comedy show yeah um but again it's one of those things like Particularly on Netflix. I don't even know how to talk about it, but like genre is so important right now. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and you know, and and, uh, and I and I, I struggle to find the language to talk about it. I, mm-hmm. I in some sense, I want to say like a word something like personal genre. Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah. like my online experience is curated such mm-hmm. that I get great information about all the stuff that I've clicked on before right um yeah, and, yeah. and you know and like the internet has a fairly good sense i know i'm being general <laughs> about um who i am and what i want and, mm-hmm. and certainly netflix does too right um and so there's um and because of i mean we'll just say like because of commodification of things like mm-hmm. things need a genre yeah right and, and certainly mm-hmm. like i mean analyses of the music industry make this very 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 clear mm-hmm. that like um 
that like that that being able to create something that goes with a genre that goes to an audience is ultimately how you yeah. make money in it. Um, but it also like limits what you can do. I mean, we experience yeah. this just as filmmakers, as we're mm-hmm. like, well, we have like a seventeen-minute film. And they're like, well, there's no, there's no market for seventeen-minute right. film. It's like you know, you can have like a forty-five-minute film or mm-hmm. or a ninety-minute mm-hmm. film, but like seventeen like minutes, or, yeah, or like yeah. thirty-seven. Like there's yeah. no thirty, you know. Yeah. Um, but we only have thirty-seven. You know, like we have a twenty-eight-minute awesome film. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and, and sometimes if you don't know what, if you don't even have a genre, like, what is it? It's like, well, it's like a neo-noir, like, murder mystery mm-hmm. sort of thing. And they're like, yeah, or, you know. Yeah. But in some sense, it just, because you, you can't just make something. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. there's, a, there's a part of this part with, the part of this bit with um, Hannah Gatsby that, like, she just made a thing. Like, this mm-hmm. is, like, the, the object of art yeah. that she wanted to make. But Netflix can't say like, "Oh, there's a new um, spoken word or a new uh, personal essay." Yeah, or like you I mean, really but watch, you right? know, in some sense, yeah. you, you know, like you can't even, you know, you got new comedy. I mean, well, mm-hmm. I mean, but it's also like I just think like as as an artist, mm-hmm. um, it's just so frustrating sometimes to be limited by the genres, the genre, yeah. um, and and to be like snapped into well it's comedy or well mm-hmm. it's motivational speaking or well it's really a TED talk or, you know mm-hmm. like all that stuff yeah um, it's just uh, you know she's a, a craftsman who spent a lot of time craftsperson mm-hmm. spent a lot of time you know with this craft and this is the sort of the thing that she's made and she yeah. and she thinks that this is like the the pinnacle of her work mm-hmm. um, and like as a person because it's not because again right. it's not just comedy it's like she's yeah. a, a writer actress all this kind of stuff um, and it, it's just always interesting because um, you know like I just the experience is this right um, I for the longest time because I watched Attack on Titan this mm-hmm. uh, very gruesome but also very emotionally powerful anime series one of the best in modern times I think um, I watched it on Netflix um, Netflix kept advertising other anime to me, and one of mm-hmm. which was this um, show called Full Metal Alchemist, which is like a look. I mean, the picture looks stupid, <laughs> the title looks dumb, mm. and I was like, "Oh, this has got to be crap!" Like, I'm yeah, never I'm going to watch yeah. this garbage. Um, turns out, it's like probably one of my favorite TV shows of all time. I mean, it's uh. like it's certainly top. Like three or four <laughs> TV shows of all time. I mean, like the story is entrancing from the very minute, from the mm-hmm. very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like even two different, either like two almost completely different series. Mm-hmm. One sort of more strictly based on the original anime. I mean, original like comic book. The other one not. And they released a live action. Just yeah, for you. Yeah, which is horrible. <laughs> well, no, actually, no. I haven't. That's not true. Um, it it. it um, there's certain. I mean, some interesting parts. Yeah, yeah, it's like the it's an animated world, so yeah. like I just had like it, it's, it's done best yeah. there and yeah. with those voice actors. Anyway, um, but so it, the the parallel was like so like oh like you know it's like Hannah Gatsby, mm-hmm. you know like it's a picture of her, it's a comedy special, like yeah. you know like it's like you have you have some sense of what it's going to be, and I, it's like totally cliche. It's like judging a book by its cover, but it's also like. I had, like, you know, it, it's a genre-defying thing. Like, mm-hmm. sure, like, you know, like, um, Full Metal Alchemist it is a Japanese animated film, right? Mm-hmm. And it is, in some sense, like other things. But it, it doesn't have any, it has very few of those, like, 
fanboy, hyper feminine like mm. uh, tropes that I just don't have any yeah, tolerance for. Like yeah. Ruby's fine, but it's not mm-hmm. my deal. Um, or even you know, and 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 it it becomes like. Like, how do we even explain it to people? I'm like, what's well, about this? You know, because the world itself is so unique. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and that's what, I mean, I don't mean to get too far afield, but uh, in the world of Netflix where their things are so, you know, neatly divided by genre, even the things in genres are misleading because they're in there. Right. Um, but there isn't entirely another place. Least, yeah. I mean, I do think that, like, just specifically about Netflix, they sometimes invent these crazy mm-hmm. genre, genre tags right. and and I and I suspect I don't know for sure but I suspect that Nanette is, is generating one of those right. that will eventually include some of the other things we talk about mm-hmm. um, and you know and, and looking at it as a from like an art historical perspective I think that you might group some of them together and, and, and refer to them as a particular kind or style or movement yeah. um, and whether and again like whether it's a movement or a genre mm-hmm. I mean and some of that is sort of like beyond me and I don't know if it matters yeah. at all you know like like are the are the modernist you know like um painters a movement or are mm-hmm. they a genre of art or are they a style you know yeah um yeah I mean I, I know for sure I've taken pictures I can't pull it up right now but of like the genre that it created for me yeah as like yeah. a section like yeah yeah quirky visually appealing like slowly paced films. For, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, I didn't even know how to describe myself like that, like, <laughs> yeah. that I wanted to see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think it's becoming very niche. Uh, but I'm glad, like, I think it probably got more of an audience because it was presented with the comedy specials. Yeah. Um, and more people ended up watching. And I'm sure they probably got pulled into her story yeah. and what, what it was talking yeah. about it. Like, and it is, I mean, and again, uh, it's... Uh, you know, in particular in comedy, like, you can only have a thing for a while before you start taking it apart and making fun of it. Right. You know, right, before yeah. you have a parody of a parody of a parody. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, have you ever seen, did you see Michael Bolton's Valentine's Day special? Uh, only previews. It's I know fantastic. About it. <laughs> um, I mean, it, I mean, I also, I also have, like, a very deep and unique love for Michael Bolton, <laughs> mainly because of an interview that I, heard him do on my favorite CBC radio show mm-hmm. before I've talked about on the show. Um, but anyway, I mean, it, it's like, it is a parody of a tele, it's like a parody of a parody of a telethon. Right. Which like, those aren't, I mean, as far as I know, those aren't on anymore. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah, maybe right. somewhere. Um, but, uh, you know, like, yeah. the, it was hilarious. You know, mm-hmm. and it was like, and, 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 and it's like, it's so over the top and so much parody of so many different things that it's mm-hmm. my kind of style. But, um, my point is that, like, so you have comedy specials, right? And eventually the comedy special genre uh, needs to be breaking, broken apart. Right. It's um, and, you know, and again, like, sometimes, you know, sometimes that's done for comedic effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but in these particular cases, um, it, it has more purpose. I, right. You know, I would dare I say higher purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and I mean, Eli, I mean, <laughs> for me, I think that there's, Part of maybe part of one of the most important parts about Nanette for me was that it acknowledged a truth about mm-hmm. people watching comedy in America mm. that comedy specials often don't do. Like Chris mm-hmm. Rock doesn't when he was in the '90s didn't wasn't open and clear and transparent about the fact that he was fundamentally redefining race relations by his 
<laughs> like everyone knows the difference between a, you know a black person and the n word, right? right? Yeah. But like he did, right? Um, and and defined things for a generation, mm-hmm. for part of a generation. Uh, and I think that there's and, and other comedians have done that too. I mean, right. Jeff Fox. I mean, like there's many. Like mm-hmm. each has their own. But like Jeff Foxworthy, certainly Bill Cosby. Right. You know, like and some of these yeah. cl- like a Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. You know, and like need, need to get into like all the amazing like black comedians which I was like I, if I could be one thing it would be you know <laughs> the original kings of comedy all this stuff yeah um, but in most of those cases historically they, they haven't been honest about or upfront in the comedy special about how important the way they are handling mm. these big important issues are right right when, when mm. you know, and so because I just find that it's like it, the regular people that I grew up with, and even mm-hmm. sometimes the people that you know, like the other people that I know now, like the way that if you need an elevator speech answer to a really complicated social problem, it probably comes from a comedian. Yeah, it doesn't come from, you know, like a well reasoned you know article in the New Yorker or the New mm-hmm. York Times. Maybe I don't. Maybe those maybe those people exist, but they're not here. Right. But um, you know, I just like remember. You know, I, it's like starving in Sudan. So I was like, why do you live in a desert? Right, you know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, which comes I mean, from a comedy routine. Yeah, I mean, I think Hannah Gatsby addresses that sort of tension in yeah. serious topics. And I'm not sure, uh, I don't know if I want to say, like, I don't fully agree, but I think, I, again, I think she's illustrating what she's also saying. Like, she kind of comes to the point where she's saying, like, there's certain things we can't just, like, laugh at eventually. Yeah. We have to talk seriously. But I think in a lot of ways, whether we're talking about race or um, feminism or whatever sort of serious issue in our society, that laughter can help sort of, like, start the conversation or open up that yeah. conversation. Or, and I think that's... Or the opposite. Thing. Or the opposite. Or, Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, yeah. I totally, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, and what mm-hmm. I, what I mean is, is like, if done responsibly, mm-hmm. like, like, yeah, like, Hannah Gatsby does, mm-hmm. it, it can begin a conversation because it acknowledges the tension mm-hmm. and the problem, right? But the yeah. other thing, you know, and she does the opposite in the, in the, mm-hmm. in there, which, what traditionally is done, mm-hmm. where you like, you have this tension, you bring forth this tension from the audience that exists about issues of race or gender or something, right? And then you find a way to like laugh it away and assuage it, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't change. It doesn't materially change the situation, right? For those people, whatever Mar- yeah. and, and whoever is involved, it more okay to laugh at those things, right? Absolutely. Those issues, yeah. And I mean, and, and I wonder too, right. like you know, these you know, bigger pieces, like you know, like oh, like you know, racism. It's like super funny to joke about it. Yeah. Um. You know, or like because in some sense, for some folks, like that's all yeah. you can do. Mm-hmm. But it also, I think, I mean, I think there's a sense that I get in thinking about what she does, um, that there's a larger social and cultural part at play mm-hmm. where we have tension personally about things that are going on. Mm-hmm. We encounter them as they're like manifested in this comedic setting and then sort of like the tension is revealed with a joke and it, it, it allows the status quo to persist. Mm-hmm. It allows things to not change because we, we're okay with the feeling yeah. of uh, disquiet about it but it doesn't actually change the situation it just changes how we feel about it mm-hmm. true yeah I mean I think uh, as we've kind of said there's a lot of complexity to the situation yeah. and which, which I often like 
as I've stated before, yeah. this sort of meta sense of doing what you're actually talking about and then yeah. like acknowledging it um, to make you think about it more. Um, and I think that's uh, that's pretty cool and pretty rare in the comedy scene, even though I, I wouldn't say I'm an expert by any means. Yeah. Um, to be able to do that. Um, Sweet. So uh, I think we're going to wrap that up. Going to wrap that up. I'm talking about Nanette. So this is a little different topic than we usually do, but I think I'm always interested in sort of the idea of like live storytelling, even though this is like recorded. But I think it is an art that we are sort of like rediscovering um, because of that sense of connection. Yeah. um, Which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's also, I think it's, you know, in my like it's also one of the oldest things that humans do i'm i'm yeah, fairly exactly. certain yeah. <laughs> that like this is why we yeah. invented language yeah, right. <laughs> or something close to it like mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure like eventually like i mean i don't know <laughs> but um it, it's one of the things like that i observe just um like as an adult mm-hmm. um having worked in kids classrooms and like i've spoken at a couple friends of mine's weddings mm-hmm. um you know, and like do have done public speaking in various situations. Yeah. Like even as a coach on a team, like there's there's this thing that's not about stuff you learn in school, but like mm. when someone starts telling you an interesting story, everyone gathers around and listens and mm-hmm. and participates collectively in the partaking of that story. Yeah. Like it it seems to I, mean, I don't I don't like using the term hardwired. Mm-hmm. Um but there's there's an there's an ancient resonance um <laughs> in, in this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and I think like that's part of what um, part of why even like on paper mm-hmm. like Nanette wouldn't be that popular yeah like Angry Roman right. you know, like and, and like by her own admissions mm-hmm. but there's something so compelling about it that you know because the way I heard Same about it was like my friends like oh you gotta see this like mm-hmm. have you seen it and I'm like what is it like she's like you you just have to see it I can't I can't explain <laughs> it to you yeah. And so, but I think I, I would I would wager mm-hmm. that a lot of folks heard about it in that way, yeah. Um, by someone who watched it and compelled them to watch it, um, mm-hmm. you know. And, and it and it just has because it taps into that mm-hmm. sort of classic perennial storytelling. Yeah. Um, it it's part of it's a massive part of its appeal. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so yeah, if you have any thoughts yeah. on any of these specials, you can uh, talk to us at extratextualshow at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we'd love to uh, hear your thoughts on this too, or any other topics you want us to talk about. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.